into the contest. It is Monday the 4th of July. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee in a very big date in the US calendar. But uh, you decided to celebrate by having a game of cribbage, is that correct? <laughs> Play a little bit of cribbage. It's good weather for it. Uh, mm. With a good mate of mine, Paul Noble, we were over my bar last night. There was plenty of cricket on and uh, the Wimbledon was on. So, yeah, we're playing cribbage, mate. There's a lot of sayings that come from the game of cribbage. Uh, streets ahead and, and level pegging come directly from that game. And it's, uh, it's a good card game to play, mate, I must admit. Did you win? It's four all. It's four all, and uh, got a little bit too late. I have to get up and do this show, mate. So mm. we'll continue it another day. Yes, well, I'll look forward to edition <laughs> two of the cribbage. Well, there is a stack about, isn't it? A big weekend for Australian sport. Nick Kyrgios, amongst other players, through to the final sixteen at Wimbledon. He did it in controversial fashion. That's going to surprise you. The Wallabies, a huge win, and all the footy news. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Now, Shane, Mark Taylor, Ian Chappell, amongst others, have, have really come out off the top rung and had a crack at Steve Smith about the way that he gesticulated and got upset when... Uh, he felt he was run out by Usman Khawaja. I'm sort of with him on this. It was a bit childish. Yeah, very childish. And uh, look, no, there's nothing worse than getting run out. And getting run out in a test match or in a or in a shield game, a longer version of the game, it's very, very frustrating. But yeah, the way that uh, Smith carried on, it was extremely childish. And it's just not a good look. I think the Aussies have really turned around uh, their persona. And particularly, that they've done a really good job in the PR um, in the last couple of years, under Pat Cummins in particular. And those little things just don't help um, the way that people feel about the Australian cricket team and it's not becoming of a test cricketer. So uh, I'm with Ian Chappell and Mark Taylor on that one as well. It was a good win by Australia over Sri Lanka in the end, a dominant win and uh, an unlikely bowler, Travis Head, in the end. Uh, uh, that test wicket in Gore was falling apart and he, he just uh, he did a Michael Clark. He did. And Travis Head, uh, with career best figures, was his first test wicket. Um, ended up with four for 10 of 2.5 overs. It's under under 12 statistics there. But really good capacity mm. from Pat Cummins to bring him on. And, and he was turning the ball square. And to bowl Sri Lanka out uh, in their home country for 113, leaving us only 10 runs to chase in the final innings. We get that none down. It's a very, very good result in the first test. Yeah, absolutely. And Stuart Broad in, in other cricketing news has broken a record. I don't think he really wants this one, Shana. <laughs> it just sounds a bit like me in under-13s bowling about eight no balls. Yeah, he, he went for 35 runs off one over. Mm. Uh, I think the over read four. Then he bowled five wides. A no ball went for six. Then four, 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 six and one. 
to total 35. And it was Jasper Boomer, the other fast bowler, which makes it even worse for him, that smacked him all around the ground. Now, a number of Australian players are doing well at Wimbledon, including Nick Kyrgios. This was a, a big match over Stefanos Tsitsipas yesterday morning. And, and often uh, we'll have a crack at Kyrgios because he deserves it. His behaviour is questionable at times. But I, I, I must say, uh, on this one, I'm siding with him. Uh, it, it turned into a bit of a circus. But Tsitsipas... Um, just looks like a whinger. I mean, he's the guy that hit the ball up in the crowd. He's the guy that tried to land Kyrgios. It sounds like Kyrgios has got under his skin and he's got all upset about it. But unfortunately, um, that's the game of tennis. Yep, and you're right, Tim. We do give Nick a hard time on this show, and um, but I am 100% on his side in this regard. And and Sissipas wouldn't even um, look him in the eye when he lost to shake hands. That was rubbish, wasn't it? That was horrible, right? And and I thought the coverage too was appalling that they didn't even really show that. They had to show a wider angle later on to see that Sissipas mm. just put one hand out, really lame, and uh, and looked away. But uh, and look, I, I agree with Nick. Nick was sort of um, asking the the umpire to say when Sissipas was hitting the ball in the crowd why he wasn't being fined. He's been fined in the past for that sort of stuff, um, and he lost a point. And then for Sissipas to come out at the end of the game and call Nick a bully, I thought it was just childish, and uh, and he came across like a real bad loser. He did, didn't he? Uh, yep. It was really ordinary that media conference to watch. And obviously the journalists, once he got on a train of thought, they just kept playing at it. But uh, look, Nick Kyrgios, of the Australians, I think he can win it. He's good enough to win it. <laughs> so uh, we'll watch with uh, interest. Uh, Novak Djokovic, meanwhile, he may be free to return to Australia. Now, we saw that whole uh, stuff about him not being able to get a visa for a number of years, but there could be a loophole for him. Well, it could be. He's going to have to apply. Uh, the Australian new government under Labor have changed... Uh, when people now come to Australia, they don't need to get uh, show their vaccination. Um, so that's all opened up. He still has a three-year ban, so he'll have to apply for uh, special compensation around that, um, and he will do. I think he will be back playing the Australian Open next year. Does Ash Barty annoy you as much as she annoys me? And the reason why I say that is because no matter what she does, she's good at it. She's outstanding at cricket, outstanding at tennis, as we know. And golf, like she's playing in this Icons event. She's playing off four. I had a game the other day, and honestly, I could not beat time with a stick. Uh, she's superhuman. Yep, I never had a sister, Tim, and I would love Ash mm. to be my sister. She's a, a little sister. She's an unbelievable uh, sportswoman. And, uh, yeah, so she's playing um, in this inv- invitational tennis tournament. Uh, she was paired up uh, initially with Harry Kane, um, the uh, EPL footballer, um, and they won their Greece. Some, um, green some tie, uh, but then lost the foursome to uh, uh, pitcher John Schmaltz and ex NBA J.R. Smith. So, uh, sort of mixed results, but look, yeah, she's still she's an unbelievable first one straight off the tee, straight down the middle. Oh, no. Well, what happens when you're first up on the tee? Mate, normally hits the, the letterbox to, to the left. <laughs> I never oh, get the first always... one off. I'm always I'm always nervous in the first tee until I warm mm. up. I can never really get them down the fairway, but uh, yeah. It is a good feeling when you get the first one down there, but it really oh, happens. Great feeling. Yeah, great feeling when you got some rhythm. The other day, I tell you what, I was Nicholas Jack, and then I was Jack Nicholas, <laughs> then I was Nicholas Jack, then oh, it was awful. Uh, coming up on Afternoon Sports, stay with us because we're going to talk AFL, NRL, and quite a bit more. Afternoon Sports.
Well, Dusty Martin got injured, but the Tigers are into the eight, and uh, this was a good win over an improved Eagles team, you'd have to say, Shana. Yeah, the Tigers uh, go into the top eight, as you said. The 128, they defeated the West Coast 93. You must say, are performing better um, than expected. But Dusty looked really good. They subbed him off um, in the third quarter. Uh, disappointment, too, for the Eagles. They subbed off uh, Elliot Yo, who's... He's been injured the last couple of years um, and has only really played 17 games in two seasons. He looks like he's got another soft, soft tissue injury, so that could be the end of his season again and potentially his career. Mm. But yeah, uh, Richmond looking good, coming back in the top eight and they're getting momentum at the right time of the year now. Yeah, they've got to do something in the NRL with refereeing, don't they? It's, it's happening all the time. There's too many games where they are playing too big a role. The Roosters, Trent Robinson may well get a, a fine from the other mm. night against Penrith, but that really did change the scape of the game, that ridiculous decision on the Verrills tackle. And then yesterday afternoon, we've got this cracking game of footy, uh, and the Dragons got the chocolates, and uh, they sit nicely in the eight. But it was a, it was another pretty ordinary decision late in the game. You've got so many eyeballs on this stuff. They keep getting it wrong, don't they? And uh, look, I was happy uh, the Dragons got the win, being my team over the Raiders, but I must say that decision... Uh, wasn't a great one, and yeah, it would be very, very frustrating. It's, it's tough too because they're playing there in wet conditions. It's it's um, it's cold, it's wet, and to, to have a, a really close game to come down to another um, the refereeing decision that costs potentially the result of the game. It's just disappointing. They need to get it right. Oh, they do uh, absolutely. And uh, I'm not someone that likes to have a crack at officials, but if mm. if it's happening all the time, they really need to step in and think about what they're doing and how they make their decisions going forward because there needs to be consistency across the board. Now, the Wallabies, uh, they beat England. This was a cracking game of footy. I really enjoyed this rugby union test match. Not for six years have we beaten them. Uh, Eddie Jones has been coach for a long time and we haven't beat them while he's been in control of England. But it happened with injury and Darcy Swain got sent off. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's in real good shape, isn't it? And the fact that we've got two Rugby World Cups coming to Australia, both the men's and the women's. And starting to get a little bit of form on the board now is really, really good signs from the Wallabies. Yeah, the 30-28 to 28 win over England, as you said, having won for six years is unbelievable. Um, I suppose the only downside, Tom Banks and his injury to his arm. Uh, that looked horrible. Um, and Darcy Swain being sent off. But, yeah, they rallied well, the Wallabies. And, uh, look, the, the Northern Hemisphere and rugby's been performing so well for the last six to seven years itself. Um, for us to have a win over them is a big, big win. Yeah, I felt a bit for Darcy Swain. I mean, you can't leave with yeah. the head, but the other guy was ripping his hair out. It was, um, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's a bit, got a bit like Kyrgios and Zitzipas. You can't take the bait, can you? Israel Folau's, uh Test Rugby return, your mate, um, didn't last long for Tonga. They got flogged by Fiji as well, 36 nil. 36 nil and a leg injury. I think uh, he's obviously coming towards the end of his career and it just gets harder and harder as the older you get, Tim, we know. And yeah, particularly you start getting calf injuries and, and lower leg injuries. It's um, it's not a great sign for you know, how he's going to be able to continue, I think, at the high level. What about this superstar young boxer or, or new newly crowned superstar, Jai Opataya? Australia has a, a new boxing world champ. That's the headline. And it was an incredible cruiserweight title fight victory because... The guy broke his jaw. Yeah, unbelievably tough, isn't he? And uh, to defeat uh, Breedis, who was um, considered the favourite going into this fight. And, yeah, so we have a, a new champion, as you said, in the cruiserweight um, division. And, um, yeah, seriously tough, this bloke. And I think we're going to see bigger and better things from him.
I don't think The Rock gets on his feet and gives people a standing ovation just any day of the week, but he's done it for Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, who has decimated Max Holloway. Oh, Max Holloway, I'll tell you what, he needed some tissues. He smashed the living daylights out of him, didn't he, in that uh, UFC fight? Oh, I watched this fight. It was uh, it was brutal. And mm. look, I don't know how much blood they get out. They must have HIV tests before before these fights, Tim, because they just get splattered with blood. And uh, and Max Holloway, this was a, a trilogy fight, the third one, where both fights before have been so close. But uh, the Volk from uh, from Shell Harbour, where I grew up, was just uh, dominant and and just worked him around the ring and just kept picking him off. And his face looked like a you know, a smashed in bloody pineapple by the end of it. Yeah, it didn't look good, did it? Now, Daniel Ricciardo, how bad's he going? Thank God he's going to go into acting or, or TV because uh, he qualified 14th. He finished 13th. Um, he couldn't, uh, you know, he couldn't trouble the scorers at the moment, can he, in the F1? No, and his teammate with the same car is just doing so much better. And mm. that that's the big difference. I think uh, you, you can often blame the car in, in this sport and... Uh, it's underperforming, but when your your teammate is just right up there and you're not, he, he's just hard. To, I don't think he's hard in it anymore, and it's, it's time for him to go. And this will be his last season. All the blow-ups uh, in the tennis and elsewhere in sport has uh, lent you towards a Michael Bevan story to wrap us up today. <laughs> what's what's the latest edition of the Bevo Files? The Bevo Files. What got me thinking that uh, mm. with Travis Head taking four for ten. Yeah, uh, I remember Michael Bevan, uh, who was originally a fast bowler as a, a junior, and then injured his back and became the exceptional batsman that we knew. But also used to bowl left arm spin, and we call yeah, that a Chinaman. Yeah, and uh, and he took a brilliant ten wicket haul. Um, I think it was Adelaide Oval against the West Indies. Uh, test figures of taking ten for is an exceptional thing to do. Mm. Well, back in the New South Wales cricket team at that time, we had a, a unique situation where um, it was very rare to even have a leg spinner, but to have a Chinaman in your team. We had Michael Bevan. We had David Friedman, who was Freddie. also a left-arm spinner. Freddie, yep, the gangster. Um, but we had the record of having three Chinamans in the team, Michael Bevan, David Friedman, and Richard Cheekwee. <laughs> but Richard, <laughs> Richard Cheekwee bowled right-arm, slow, medium. Uh, that's pretty ordinary bowler, bowler, actually. But, yeah, he was our third Chinaman in the team, and uh, we <laughs> always used to get a good laugh at that. But what about his eye as a batsman? Uh, when when his <laughs> eye was in uh, Richard Cheekwee, he would smack the living daylights out of it. Mate, he was a great player, good man, and a great front man of six now. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Fantastic sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. And thank you to our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.